Hey, good morning, FCF. How are you adjusting to the new normal? We're hearing an awful lot about that these days, and of course, it's inevitable that we will be. I want to start you this morning as we close out this mini-series. This is the third message. I want to start you by following me in an imaginary journey, but it's one that we hopefully will all be able to identify with. Picture this. There's a young family. They have young children. And all of a sudden, a property, a house, comes on the market. It is at an extraordinarily low price. Now, here's the catch. This house was the house that belonged to both their parents and grandparents. They had seen pictures of this house many, many times. They had been told wonderful stories about all the experiences that their, both their parents and their grandparents had at the house. And all of a sudden, this extraordinary home is up for sale, and this young family can't help but to think how wonderful it would be to raise their children now in the same house that they had enjoyed so many stories about that their parents and their grandparents had been raised in. Now, the house had been abandoned for many, good many years. So they go and they observe the house, and they can see that it needs a lot of extensive repairs. Nevertheless, they think, you know, even with extensive repairs, this is a bargain price. So they start bringing in some contractors to do more exacting assessments. They bring in three different ones, and they all come back with the same report. The report that the contractors bring back to them is that this house cannot be repaired. It's beyond repair. And then they tell them, they say, it literally needs to be completely rebuilt from the ground up. They say, you, you mean to tell me you're talking about knocking it down? We've been through the house. There, there's so many things in there that seem to be in fine condition. And they say, no, we're talking about there's no way that the county would ever approve this. This is, this is dangerous. It needs to be completely demolished and rebuilt from the ground up. Well, all of a sudden, this young family starts to think to themselves, this is not the good deal we thought it was because we were thinking repairs. Now we're talking rebuild. And what would we do? Would we try to rebuild it just like the original house was with the original charm? How hard would that be? And then they start thinking about all the complexity that the contractors had warned them they would go through with the county and so on. So they start thinking to themselves, you know, we have a nice house right now. Our children are in a good, safe neighborhood, a good school system. I just don't know if this was the great idea that it started out to seem to be. Rebuilding. It's one thing to repair something. It's a whole different thing when you have to contemplate rebuilding something from the ground up. I'm going to take you back in time, and we're going to meet a group of people, God's people, that have to make that same exact kind of decision that I just shared with you. We're going to go back to the time of Daniel, where we were at last week, but now we're getting to the word, the end of Daniel's life. The Persian Empire has eclipsed the Babylonian Empire, and just like the prophet Isaiah had prophesied some 150 years or more earlier, a Persian king by the name of Cyrus was ruling over Persia. And Isaiah had prophesied that that king, uh, way before he was ever born, would bring the people of Israel out of Babylonian exile back to their land to rebuild. Well, that's what's happening when we come to this portion of Scripture. I'm taking you now to the book of Ezra. Time frame is probably about 538, 539 B.C., 
And so I'm going to start reading to you in chapter 1 of the book of Ezra. Chapter, or excuse me, chapter 1, and I'm going to read you verses 1 through 3, then jump you to 5. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the Lord's message spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord stirred the mind of King Cyrus of Persia. He disseminated a proclamation throughout the entire kingdom, announcing in a written edict the following. Thus says the king of Persia, The Lord, God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has instructed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Anyone from his people among you, may his God be with him, may go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and may build the temple of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Verse 5. Then the leaders of Judah, Benjamin, along with the priests and the Levites, all those whose mind God had stirred, got ready to go up in order to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And that gets us started into this venture. Let me give you a little more detail. The temple had been destroyed over 70 years earlier. And just like Jeremiah the prophet, along with Isaiah, had predicted, after the 70 years of being in Babylon, the Israelites would be returned to their land by a Persian king by the name of Cyrus. And Cyrus has now given them permission to go and to rebuild their temple. But I want you to notice that he says that any of them could go, but the scripture tells us that it was only certain ones that this opportunity stirred them, stirred their minds that actually went. I want to start this message today as we consider adjusting to the new normal. And for some of us, that might mean rebuilding our lives or rebuilding parts of our lives. There could have been some things that have occurred uh, during this crisis. We may have, we, uh, we may have lost some of our vocational opportunities and they're going to maybe need to be rebuilt. We may have lost some business opportunities that will need to be rebuilt. It could be that we've lost some health or some mental, emotional health that needs to be rebuilt. It could be that some of us have found some relationships in desperate need to be rebuilt. There's a lot of things that we may have discovered during this time that need to be rebuilt. These Israelites knew that it was absolutely God's time to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. They knew that it was God's will to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But you have to understand, they had lived in Babylon for two generations, 70 long years. They had been born, many of them, in Babylon. They had raised children in Babylon, built businesses, found a new life in Babylon. And so when the decree comes, the opportunity comes for them to go back to their home, build the temple in Jerusalem, what you actually find when you study history in this book, it was a very, very small percentage of them that responded to this. Only the ones that their minds were stirred by this, that God's truth, God's timing to rebuild the temple, God's call to rebuild His temple stirred their minds. So here's the question for you and I to start with, and I'm going to present this message to you with three questions. You know, the first question is this. Do I really want to do this? You know, I may know that there's something in my life that needs to be rebuilt. I may know that it's God's will for it to be rebuilt. 
But the question comes, do I really want to do this? We all have this capacity as human beings to settle for stabilized mediocrity, to just kind of adapt and just let things go, make the best of it, and not do the necessary hard work to rebuild something. There's three things that I think have to be occurring inside of us before we're going to rebuild something, even when we know it's God's will to be, uh, for it to be rebuilt. I think, first of all, it has to stir our desire. We have to have a desire to see something rebuilt because we know simply that it's God's will that it be rebuilt. If that doesn't stir sufficient desire in us, then it's highly unlikely we'll go forward. The second thing that has to come is it has to stir a certain amount of daring in us because these Israelites, for them to leave their their comfortable, familiar home life in Babylon. Mind you, they had been there for 70 years, two generations of them. For them to up and go to Jerusalem, a place they had never seen in most cases, never been to before, face all the unknowns, well, that was going to take some daring. They were going to leave behind a comfortable, stable, settled life for a very uncertain one. The third thing that it ultimately takes if we're going to rebuild anything in our life that we know to be God's will for it to be rebuilt, we not only need desire, we not only need daring, we're, we're going to need dedication. At some point, we're going, excuse me, we're going to have to be decisive is what I meant to say. We're, we're going to have to just move ourselves to that starting line and say, you know what? Whatever it takes, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. This is worth it. This is worth the effort. This is worth the journey. I'm going to do this. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to leave my old life behind. I'm going to leave the old ruts, the old comfort, and I'm going to take this journey. I don't know what I'm going to face, but I'm going to take this journey to rebuild whatever it is in my life that I know needs to be rebuilt according to God's Word. Well, like I said, a percentage of them, a small remnant of them, take off on this journey. Now, it wasn't that small. It was, it was probably near 100,000 people, but that was still a very small percentage of those that went into the Babylonian captivity. Isaiah in chapter 10, he prophesied that it would only be a small remnant that would ultimately be stirred by God and go back and rebuild the temple. So they start on this journey, and I want to turn you next to chapter 3. And I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, When the seventh month arrived, and the Israelites were living in their towns, the people assembled in Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, and his priestly colleagues, and Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, and his colleagues, started to build the altar of God, the God of Israel, so that they could offer burnt offerings on it as required by the law of Moses, the man of God. They established an altar on its foundations, even though they were in terror of the local peoples, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord both morning and evening. Let me drop you down to verse 6. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. However, the Lord's temple was not at that time established. What you find in verse 8, let me, I'll read you that. It says, In the second year after they had come to the temple of God in Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, the son of Josedek, initiated the work along with all the rest of their associates. So here's what you have. You have them coming back. 
to the land in Jerusalem, this, this remnant, they rebuild the altar so they can start offering offerings up to God to express their devotion to Him, to acknowledge that the most important thing that human beings need is the, the barriers of guilt and shame and fear removed between themselves and God. All that's symbolized in the offerings. But then it's not until later, two years before they initiate building the foundation of the temple. Now, it's, a, it's an, an amazing scene that ensues after this. When they finally get the foundation laid, the new people that had never seen the first temple, they're celebrating with tremendous joy. They've accomplished something. The older people that had <clears throat> seen Solomon's original temple, they must have been in their 90s, um, they are weeping because they remember how glorious and how beautiful, how spectacular that first temple was. And they associate all the memories with it. So it's an interesting thing that happens. The, the scripture says that you couldn't tell the difference between the cheering and the celebrating and the crying in the morning as the two different categories of people. Now, you might have noticed that it said that the people in the land terrorized them. Let me pick up reading in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin learned that the former exiles were building a temple for the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the leaders and said to them, let us help, uh, let us help you build. For like you, we seek your God and we have been sacrificing to him from the time of Esarhaddon of Assyria who brought us here. The Israelites refused to allow them. They know that this was something that the peoples of the land were not to partake in. It was to be their duty, their job. So when they refused to let them get involved, let me read you verse 4. The local people began to discourage the people of Judah and to dishearten them from building. They were hiring advisors to oppose them so as to frustrate their plans throughout the time of King Cyrus of Persia until the reign of King Darius of Persia. The second question we need to ask, the first question was, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to rebuild this? The second question we need to ask, how hard might this be? How difficult might this be? They go back, they start building, they lay the foundation, and all of a sudden, opposition from the people that were entrenched in the land rises up. Now, what you don't know as these chapters go on is this opposition intensifies. They not only try to discourage the people and dishearten them, they ultimately, they write letters to the emperor. They convince the emperor that these people are dangerous and they should not be allowed to rebuild their temple. And here's the key. This resistance was so intense that it stopped the work on the temple for 15 long years. 15 years. So I want you to think about something. How hard, how difficult might it be to rebuild something that was destroyed? How hard might it be to rebuild something that was destroyed even when it's God's time and it's God's will that it be rebuilt? They faced 15 years of struggle to rebuild this temple. 15 years, 15 long years of resistance. So let's consider how hard, how difficult might it be for us if we have something that we know to be God's will, we even believe it's His time to rebuild it, how hard might it be? I mean, I think that having realistic expectations is critical because some things have been a long time in disrepair. Some things like this temple have been destroyed. It had been laying destroyed for 70 long years. 
Some things have been destroyed quickly, recently, perhaps through this crisis. Other things were already in the process of being destroyed. And so all of a sudden now, we're clear. It's God's will that these things be rebuilt. But how hard is it really going to be? Let's be realistic with ourselves. Might we expect resistance? Might we expect difficulty in rebuilding something, even if it's God's will for it to be rebuilt? This is important, folks, because sometimes we get it in our minds that God wants something rebuilt, and it probably is His will. We have some clarity on that, but we we don't take into consideration the complexities, that there's other people involved, there's timing involved, there's other processes, there's other occurrences, there's other memories, there's other perhaps deep pockets of concern, insecurity, bitterness, all kinds of things. There might be um, a lot of hierarchy involved in some of the things we're attempting to rebuild. There could be complexity with with legalities and laws of the community we live in. Enormous amounts of things can get involved. So it's critical, in my opinion, that we adjust to some realistic expectations Even though something might be the will of God to rebuild, it might be really difficult. And here's what I think we have to uh, prepare ourselves for. Rebuilding anything according to God's will is, is going to call upon you and I to develop resilience. We're going to have to be be adaptable. We're going to have to respond to some problem solving of all different kinds. We're going to have to not only be resilient, we're going to have to develop some perseverance. We're going to have to keep at it 15 long years, 15 long years. And I, I got to tell you, they finally pretty much had given up. And that is the other option. Once we start out to build something and we find out that it's incredibly hard or much harder than we anticipated, the temptation, the option is is always to just say, you know what, this was crazy. I should have never started. I give up. Nothing should be this hard. I'm not going to try any longer. But that would be the wrong decision. For these Israelites, it was God's time. It was God's will. They just needed to be resilient and they needed to persevere. But frankly, they were losing some steam in this, and they were losing some hope in this, and they were starting to rationalize. They were starting to legitimize. They were starting to consider, you know what? Maybe it wasn't the right time at all for this. Maybe it wasn't the right thing to pursue. They started thinking like this, folks, and this is the kind of thinking that steals into our minds. Anything this hard, maybe it's not God's will. Let me reverse that. We also think in terms of nothing should be this hard. If this is God's will, it shouldn't be this hard to rebuild this. That is wrong thinking. Often rebuilding something according to God's will and according to God's time still requires resilience, endless problem solving, and tremendous perseverance and tenacity. Some of you really need to hear that. Some of you, you're You know there's some things that need to be rebuilt, rebuilt, and you maybe even started out, but boy, as soon as you got some resistance, you you got discouraged, and you were ready to just say, you know, I knew I shouldn't have even tried. You got to hear me on this. It is worth your effort. It is worth the pain mentally, emotionally, whatever way you have to go to go through what you have to go through. Be resilient, be persevering, and rebuild. And that brings us to the third stage. So three questions. Do I really want to do this? Second question, how hard might this be? The answer is it might be really hard to rebuild. And third question, what will it take to succeed? And this is where this story gets very interesting. I want to pick up reading 
in chapter 5 now. So they faced this opposition for some 15 years. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, The prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Iddo, prophesied concerning the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, began to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. The prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Let me also read to you. Well, before I go to the end, let, let, me, let me pick up a little more about this. So, so get the picture. If you've never read the little book of Haggai in the Bible, H-A-G-G-A-I, Haggai, the prophet, read it. It's really short. And what you find is it's talking about this event. 15 years of resistance, the resilience and the perseverance of the people was wearing thin. What you find in Haggai is that when Haggai and Zechariah started prophesying to the people, preaching to them, reminding them this is God's will, it is God's time, you find the people were saying, it's not God's time, it's not God's will, it's too hard. And what you find Haggai telling them, is that they had become preoccupied with just making their own lives as comfortable as is possible, embracing stabilized mediocrity instead of embracing the work and the will of God and bringing it to bringing it to its completion. And this is a temptation we always have. And so, what does it take to succeed? I'm going to tell you what it takes to succeed to rebuild anything that is the will of God. It takes the ongoing inspiration of the Word of God. These prophets were speaking to the people and they stir them up. Read the book of Haggai. God kind of rebukes the people. He tells them, he says, oh, you say it's not time to rebuild the temple, but it's evidently time for you to make your houses very nice and paneled and comfortable. And he rebukes them and he calls them back to the task. We need the ongoing inspiration that we cannot get from any other source than God's Word. We are beings that were meant to live inspirationally energized lives. We are beings that were meant to live full of enthusiasm, God-possessed lives, God-inspired lives. That comes to us when we hear the Word of God, which tells us what we need to do, how we need to do it, how long we need to keep at it. These prophets stirred the people's hearts and they got them back to work. Now, I want to take you to chapter 6, and you'll see how this ends. In chapter 6, verse 14, it says, The elders of the Jews continued building and prospering, while at the same time Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo continued prophesying. They built and they brought it to completion by the command of the God of Israel and by the command of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. They finished the temple on the third day of the month of Adar, which is in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Once they got back to work, it took them a little over four years to complete the temple. Let me put it in perspective. They get to Jerusalem. It takes them about two years to lay the foundation of the temple. Then they go through this 15 or 16 years, really hard to tell the time frame period, where they're just being filled with, with resistance from the people of the land, legal edicts, all kinds of things. Then the Spirit of God stirs up these prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, to tell the people, get back at it, don't cave in, don't quit, don't run. 
Do the work of God. It is the right time. And once the people let the word of God stir them up inside, the work didn't really take that long. It took about another four years and it's completed. So by 516 B.C., the temple of God is rebuilt in Jerusalem. That temple would stand all the way up till Jesus' day. Now, Herod, uh, just prior to Jesus, did tremendous uh, renovations and made it an extraordinary facility. But here's the thing I want you to see in this. What does it take to rebuild something that God wants rebuilt? It takes continual inspiration from God. You're going to get beaten down. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to want to quit. You're going to have every reason to quit. And yet when the Word of God speaks to you and tells you, no, this is the right thing to do, keep at it, you'll find that you'll have just the tenacity, just the energy, just that capacity to go one more day and one more day and one more day. We all need that. So what does it take to to complete a work of God, to rebuild something? It takes inspiration. The second thing it takes is perspiration. These people finally had to roll up their sleeves and get back to work. They went at it. They went at it hard for four years. What if rebuilding your business, rebuilding your vocational life, rebuilding your financial base, rebuilding some critical relationship, rebuilding your mental, emotional health, rebuilding your physical health. What if it took... What if it took four hard years? Mind you, they had already put in two years just to lay the foundation. They went through resistance. They they literally got nowhere for 15 years, 15 to 16 years. Now, four more years really getting at it. It took inspiration from the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It took perspiration, though, from the people. I want you to hear this. Some things are meant to be hard, and and God wants us to be those that, that work at things hard, that roll up our sleeves and go at it. The second thing that it took ultimately from the people was dedication. They stayed at it until it was done. There was a tremendous temptation that we all have as human beings to start something, to get it going, but then before it's complete, to just leave it a little bit undone, to leave some details undone, to to get it 90% done but, but not finish it. It's a strange thing. You can see a lot of people's projects around their house. They get, uh, you know, 80, 90% of it done, and then it sits for five, six, seven years. So it takes inspiration, it takes perspiration, and then it ultimately takes dedication. So let me reiterate those three questions again. If you know there's something in your life that God is telling you it needs to be rebuilt from the ground up, The questions are this, do I really want to do this? If you don't really want to do it, it's not going to happen. You just as well stay in Babylon. Don't make the journey to Jerusalem. It's not going to happen. It takes that willingness to have a sufficient desire and sufficient daring to make the long journey. And then how hard might this be? Don't kid yourself about this one. Rebuilding anything usually is much harder than what we anticipate. So why not anticipate in advance? Man, this is going to be hard. It's, I'm going to come to that, that breaking place again and again where I just want to give up. I just want to quit. And I play all those mental escape scenarios. Anticipate that and don't give up. If you know it's God's will to rebuild whatever it is, stick 
with it. You need resilience and you need perseverance. We all need to develop those traits. They are tremendous traits. They will serve us and God well throughout the rest of our lives. And they can't be developed in any other way except facing long-term resistance. And then finally, to get this thing done, to bring it to its completion, what are we going to need? We're going to need the Word of God. We're going to need the constant inspiration of the Word of God. Folks, I want to tell you, one of the reasons that I am churning out teachings literally seven days a week to you now is that when we went into this period, I wanted more than anything for you to have access to the inspiring, energy-giving, life-giving Word of God. I wanted to fill your life with at least the opportunity to gain His teaching each and every day. It was not until the prophets, the preachers, the, the teachers of God started speaking to the people that the people regained their energy and then they went to work inspiration, perspiration, and ultimately dedication. Now I want to close by asking you three questions. What is it? What is it that you might need to rebuild? You know it's God's will. It's just a question. Are you ready to take the action? Secondly, how hard might it be? Have you looked at it realistically? Have you asked God? Have you asked Him to, an, to help you anticipate uh, how hard, how long it may take? Remember, they were in a, in a resistance period for 15 years where they could not make any progress. Are you ready to go at something and face resistance, making no progress for a long period of time? But that's part of the path to success. Some of you are going to hear me there. That's the path to success. That doesn't mean that you mistook God's will. And then third, what would it look like if you succeed? You know, what if you were able to rebuild whatever it is that God wants you to rebuild? What would it look like in its finished stage? How greatly might it bless you? Might it bless others? Might it honor God? Might it offer opportunities of blessing to others? In other words, if you can see it in a vision, in its beautiful completed stage, wouldn't it give you that little bit of extra energy and tenacity that you need to finish the job? Folks, I hope that as we are ending this series in preparing for the new normal and perhaps facing circumstances in our lives that we did not anticipate or want that require some rebuilding, I hope you'll, you'll hear the Spirit of God today and jump into this with with anticipation, with hope, uh, with boldness, with courageousness, because God wants to take you on an adventure that's going to elevate His glory in your life. It's going to manifest His presence in your life. It's going to build His character within you, and it's going to pour out blessing others. Listen, folks, when that temple was built, finally built, 516 B.C., as I said, that served hundreds of thousands of people showing them the truth about God and the truth about life right up into Jesus' day. So the effort, the journey, the work, it's all worth it. Rebuild. Adjust to the new normal. And if the new normal for you is rebuild, rebuild to God's honor with God's strength. Let's pray. Father, uh, I know that some of us are facing some uh, overwhelming rebuilding projects. I, I can't help but imagine how overwhelming 
it must have been for the Israelites when they saw 70 years of debris piled up, and yet your spirit was there with them, and they finally finished the task. I pray for those that are discouraged, those that, that know something needs to be rebuilt, but they're just feeling so overwhelmed and intimidated. Give them hope, I pray today. I pray for some that have maybe started and they're in the midst of facing resistance and everything in them wants to scream and run and give up. Speak to them, Father, about the need of developing resilience and perseverance. And then I pray that you'll speak to all of us to be those that recognize that as you tell us, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. We constantly need to feed our souls on your word and to live inspired, energized lives, energized by your word, your spirit. May we take hold of these truths today and rebuild as we adjust to the new normal. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, FCF.